Well, good evening. It's been wonderful worshipping this evening and in the next 20 minutes or so I feel like perhaps I'm going to be explaining a few things that we had uh, brought amongst us. So this was really a helpful time. But before I go any further, it's great to base what we're doing in Scripture. And as we know, we've been doing the Jesus Saves series, which we're drawing to an end with Jesus Gives Us His Spirit. At the beginning, we're going to read together Luke 11, 9 to 13. So if you have a Bible, feel free to grab that and I'll read it with you. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now which of you fathers, if your sons ask for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As I speak this evening, I'd like to ask yourself one question. Do you have an active relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? As you begin to formulate an answer, let me remove one hurdle which some of you might have in that question, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now let's not be fuzzy about how we deal with the, the, the idea of our Holy Spirit. He's not an it. But the Bible teaches that he is God in us. And for context, Jesus at his birth was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we see in John 14, 16 to 17, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus sent us the person of the Holy Spirit, and he comes to dwell inside of us. Paul sums, him, Paul sums this up in Colossians 1, 26, 27. It says, The mystery that has been kept hidden from ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches that is this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In the Old Testament, the Spirit came and anointed only specific individuals. When it came, they built a temple that would be the dwelling place of God where his spirit came to dwell. But only specific people were anointed and there was various different things that had to do to go into the presence of God. But now the secret Paul writes about that was kept hidden for all that time is not Christ beside us, is not Christ sort of near us, but it is Christ within us. Now if you're a Christian here this evening, you have the spirit within you. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14 says, In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, you are sealed with a promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now the Holy Spirit bridges the gap in salvation. And this is what we term, when we are born of the Spirit, we are born again. This is something that Matthew was talking about last week. When we are born again, we carry this hope of glory. So that is our current life. We're born again into a hope of glory. And then when we one day will join with him, we are brought into 
glory. There's no hope anymore because we're brought into it in heaven when that day comes. Now the Spirit is our guarantee of this. We carry this important point. Now just as I can't call myself a boss yet, I might wear a tie to my meetings, I might give all the right uh, handshakes, the right nods, I might talk the talk, but it's only my boss who really gets to make the deals, much to my frustration. There's been plenty of meetings where I've sat with senior guys, the execs, the, the MD and various things, and I've been banging on the point. I've been saying, oh, come on, guys, we need to see you through on this. This is really good. We're going to make this decision, or we're going to make this cost saving, or we're going to pay for this. More usually me being an architect. Come on, guys, this is worth the money. They just won't take my word for it. And I have recently, even Hannah's witness to this, me choosing the specific tie that I think this is a deal-making tie. <laughs> Just before meetings, you can see my colleagues just going, nah. But it's only when my director turns up that the deadlock is broken. And there's a resolution that's forthcoming simply because he bears the title boss. Now there is a point in salvation, or becoming Christian, that the Spirit leads us through and bridges the kind of supernatural gap between us and the Father. We are reconciled by what Christ has done in his death and resurrection, But being born again takes active engagement. And as we come to that place of reaching out to God, that's the Spirit working in us from the start. Now coming to faith is a humbling thing. We admit that we need something else. We realise our guilt. We realise our shame. We realise the chasm that was deep and wide. But Jesus has made a way that we can come in repentance and say, Father God, I need you. Jesus I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Let me sum this up and you can test this out. Receiving the Spirit is something that we believe as Christians. 1 Corinthians 12.3 says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. But no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Now this might seem too straightforward given the kind of preamble that I've taken you on, but this is crucial evidence that the spirit, that the evidence that the spirit's activity in us. It's not possible to say and mean Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit that leads us to Jesus. So what I'm saying is, if you acknowledge Jesus to be your Lord and Savior this evening, it's because the Spirit is. At work in you. Now I've explained that all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but I understand that all, not all Christians experience that conscious, powerful awareness of His presence. And that's what something that we believe at Kings that you can have. As you understand, sort of intellectually, that the Holy Spirit is in you, as I've just described. I trust that He will change your heart as we continue to. Walk in faith. And that's something you can trust in too. And what does that look like? I think it's helpful to compare your old with your new life in him. We live in a society that's as much about equality and diversity. The problem is we can't often get people to buy into various different ideals and ethos. And so because we can't get that buy-in, because not all of these ethos and ideals are particularly good, we put rules in place. 
You can't say that. Oh, they might get offended. They'll think you're a bad person if you keep doing that. Now, none of us want to be a bad person. None of us want to feel bad. I think generally, speaking broadly here, we are good masters at feeling bad. Oh, I just feel bad for them. They're having such a hard time. I feel bad for them. Oh, I don't perceive that's very good. I just feel bad for them. Russell past masters at feeling hurt if things don't go to our plan, if things don't fit within our ideas. Now beware of feeling bad for people and don't mistake this for compassion because what you're doing ultimately is judging other people's situations. If we don't know Christ, what else do we have to measure our own situation apart from judging other people's situations for ourselves and doing this kind of contrast and compare exercise? We live for ourselves, making our own rules of what is right or wrong or perhaps borderline acceptable, depending on your humour. And according to us, if someone breaks those rules, we judge them against this criteria that we've set in our heads. Now this can either make us feel better or more often than not, making us feel worse for ourselves. And regardless of the way you play it, better or worse, this, this leads to pride. I often get a bunch of like-minded individuals that they think they've solved the problem. They've come up with a great idea. And we see organized religion or a political movement or a social group, each with their own to-do lists of things in order to comply and, and feel better about yourself. Problem is, these become a to-do list. And you'll feel guilty when you don't manage to attain the list of things that there is to do. You'll make mistakes sooner or later. Life won't go to plan. You'll be easily manipulated by others. And to be honest, bitterness will creep up on you. What sets Christianity apart from all of this is the realisation that all have fallen short. And that we, in order to achieve oneness with God, we were once under the law, but none of us will ever be good enough. We are guilty. I am guilty. Paul says he was the worst. Fair enough. But Becoming a Christian is to also accept that Jesus has paid our debt as we celebrated during our worship by taking bread and wine together. And that we can enjoy new life through Christ's death and resurrection. And don't hear what I'm not saying. We're brought into relationship with Christ. That's what we, we did again. And every relationship has rules. But the rules that this relationship has aren't the basis of it. And that's the whole point of grace. And in repentance and humility, we understand that Jesus has paid the price so that we can have this relationship. We can understand this, but the Holy Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that compels us. And it's through his work in our hearts. And there's an amazing freedom knowing that he is changing us, whether we consciously know it, or not, as we go around, go along our life's walk. Now seek relationship with Jesus first. Our goal should be relationship with Jesus. When we ask for the Holy Spirit, we're not just coming before him and just saying, oh, I just need more power. Christianity isn't about rules. As I said, I've explained that before, but it's an invitation to have a relationship with God by which we can then achieve what it is to attain oneness with God. Have we got that? Great. 
God's power isn't something that he sends us from a distance. And we just get glimpses from what God's power is doing via Instagram. You know, God's leg shots on a beach or God's kind of what he's having for dinner. That isn't, you know, what it is. We're not disconnected or getting snippets from what he's up to. The power of God cannot be separated from his presence. And if you're standing next to a fire, you'll feel warm. If you're standing in the rain, you'll get wet. And in the same way, if you're close to God, if you're following Jesus, his power will be present. When we say peace with God, we're referring to being invited into relationship with him. We have peace with him. When we say presence, that is to know God with us. And when we are in step with the Spirit, when we're in step, when we are knowing this, there will be kingdom opportunities. I think there's an amazing potential for the power of the Spirit as we pursue Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will be ready to work supernaturally through us. Now I said supernaturally, some of you will shudder at the S word. But knowing God itself is an amazing miracle, being brought into what Christ has done, what we celebrate this evening and what we continue to do so is an amazing miracle and supernatural power at work in us. And we can know peace with God. When I was first filled with the Spirit, I remember being overwhelmed with the peace and relief that came with just asking for the Holy Spirit. I'd known about it, been told I brought up a Christian family, but I remember specifically when I was a, I think I was a second year student, we'd gone down to some uh, meeting or conference, whatever, I said, right, Holy Spirit, this needs to be real, come. I just asked, Holy Spirit, come. And I was so filled with peace and relief, and this went on for a while, that to be honest, I'd, I'd often cry. But I wouldn't be tears of sadness these would be tears of joy and relief knowing that I was loved by the father this wasn't just a feeling but I believe that the spirit stirred me to call out to God it was during a time of worship and I desired his presence now last week Matthew helpfully outlined five main works that the holy spirit um, of the holy spirit at work in our lives number one conviction of sin which is our humility and awareness of God's holiness, that we have a bias uh, to do good, but not out of guilt. That's the Holy Spirit at work in us. He has regeneration in us. We have incorporation. He incorporates us into his body. That is the church. He is sanctifying us. We are not made perfect yet, but God is making us more like him. And we have the same good fruit, Galatians 5. Now, Matthew wasn't giving us a to-do list, but he was reminding us that if we have heart buy-in through the Spirit, these are things we desire to see as we develop in our relationship with him. Now, last point, Matthew goes, Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, when I first met my wife, Hannah, I knew her, and I remember the, the definite light bulb moment, which when I don't just know her, I want to, you know, really pursue her uh, all those years ago. Um, not that long ago, but uh, <laughs> I remember that moment. I remember it was in art college, there was birds singing, it was, it was cracking, but uh, certainly in my eyes. Um, 
But uh, no, as, as I pursued her romantically, not just down the street, um, <laughs> now that we are married, I haven't stopped getting to know her. We don't just sit in our living rooms just thinking, oh, I know, I, well, she might know what I'm going to say, but she certainly doesn't, like, we're still discovering more about each other as we go, go through life. And I'm learning what motivates her what she desires, and how her heart works as we encounter life together. And just as I and Hannah have made a covenant together for our lives here on earth, so we as Christians are in a new covenant with the Father. And we can know relationship with him. We just need to have those moments where we ask, God, I need you. Now we have a church that is filled with the Spirit, and that's what gives life to our worship. We had it, it was great this evening. We had a few things that I'm going to just pick out. The appeal of this evening, however, isn't that we have alternative light, lighting. It isn't that we have coffee before, not after our meeting. It isn't whether or not the blinds are down or up. It's, it's about coming into community, but it's it's also that we are a people filled with the Spirit. If you've just joined us for a semester or a term, my hope is that you've not just come and think, yeah, that was kind of cool. I need to know that we are a people alive with the Spirit, and that's something that's drawn you in amongst us. And that's really exciting. Certainly if I was traveling somewhere, that's something that I'd be looking for. But it's the Holy Spirit who is the energizing power that causes us to worship in the way that we do here at King's. And in response to this, I just want to encourage you. We've had uh, some of these contributions already, but let me encourage you as sort of a body just to, to keep pursuing sort of just three quick things in our worship. First of all, call out. It's so helpful to have people call out in prayer during our worship. Often that's in thankfulness or with a real heart cry. But really you're saying, God, I need you and you were there. God, I am so thankful it helps lift our eyes from introspection, but ultimately what we're doing is inviting God into our worship to be a part of what he's doing amongst us. Again, we had some song contributions. You had Hannah singing, Danny brought another song. This is similar to calling out, but it's something to do with singing is heart engagement. I know if you're not a singer, you're going, really? But there is something, whether or not you're singing the national anthem, you see the guys in the World Cup really giving it that all, little wipe of the tear. But, you know, there's something about singing that moves us emotionally, and it's a heart connection. That's the difference between just speaking and really singing and declaring something. Singing engages our soul and our emotions. We're not just playing with experience here, but at times in worship, you might have a new song or the Spirit might give you a tongue in another language um, which you don't understand and will need an interpretation. Or it might be a sung psalm that is a clear sign of a heart that is being changed by the Holy Spirit. And you bring it to the benefit of the body for the uplifting of the church. And worship together at King's isn't a Bible study, and it's great to see people fully bought into worship. But it's so great to see people declaring what's going on in worship as we come together as a body. What I would encourage you to do is as you get, dig deeper into the Word on your own at home, you're going to be reminded of Scripture and going, you know what, this really helped me this week. I'm going to come and bring it. I'm going to come and share it. And that's my third point, step out. The Spirit gives us faith. And part of that in our uh, church and during our worship times 
you might have a picture, you might have a glimpse of something, you're reminded by a particular scripture, but you're compelled to kind of bring it because you think there's people here that might need to hear this. They might be encouraged and strengthened by what you have to say or what, you, what God reminded you of in the week. What we believe is that until eternity, until Christ returns, we are given prophecy in part. Part of coming into and stepping out in faith is that you might not know the full picture. You might not even know the full song before you've come forward and giving it. But God gives you these gifts to bring so that we might encourage the body. And part of the benefit here at King's is that we've got people anchoring our meeting. And ultimately, God loves a faithful servant. He gives you a gift, bring it. It will be measured. And if it fits in with what's going on, if it uplifts the body, sing it, bring it faithfully. And I encourage you to step out in these ways. It might also be a specific word about somebody needing healing. It might be somebody, specific prophetic word needing encouragement at that time. Really encourage you guys to step out and continue to do so in our church and in your small groups, whatever time you're worshipping in together. And we're going to have time to respond very soon. And I urge you not to leave here for the summer, whether or not it's just for a break, whether or not you're moving on to a different place. I urge you not to leave here disappointed. Ask, desire, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. To paraphrase the passage we started with, even sinful dads know how to give their children good gifts when they ask because they understand relationship with their earthly offspring. How awesome is it then that when we ask to share in our almighty, loving, gracious, heavenly Father's goodness, that he gives us his Holy Spirit. I asked you a question at the beginning. How did you get on with that? Do you have an active relationship with the Holy Spirit? I believe this evening he wants to meet with you. He loves you. All we have to do is ask. Now, one very quick example of this in my life is I found myself sitting next to one of my colleagues on the bus recently. And we talked about our day-to-day, and I'm kind of, you know, I get in the zone at work. Like, people have bumped into me on the street, and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I really struggle to disconnect. I'm just in the zone between meetings or, or whatever. But I was sitting on the bus next to him, and uh, all of a sudden, I felt it was like just talking about personal things, and I was sharing my heart with what we were doing here at King's, what we were doing here in the evening meeting, how exciting it was, how we're seeing like God just grow our church. I was a few sentences in before I'm just like, wow, I've just said all of that. And now there's going to be a round of quickfire questions or you know, a little bit of awkwardness. But that was great because actually I was able to share God's heart for the city. I was able to share that actually Christianity is, is alive and that yeah, God's on the move. But I believe the Spirit gave me the boldness to share that. And as I grow my heart... This is sort of slots in with uh, point three of Matthew's five points from last week. Now Luke 12, 11 to 12. When they bring you before the synagogue, before, when, when, uh, start again. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say in that very hour. 
Now this is totally what I experienced on that bus. was totally the Holy Spirit. But I know each one of you thinking of certain times you're thinking, wow, I need this or I'd love to see this. Let's eagerly desire this together. And for all his great feats, David cries, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My God, my soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Now, wherever you find yourself, Jesus gives us his spirit, a free gift. All we have to do is ask. He has brought us into relationship with him. We can have that relationship, regardless of whether or not you've known Jesus for a long time or a very short time, or whether or not you're just coming to terms with what's going on. Ask, receive, come into that relationship. I believe believe the Spirit wants to minister to us. I'm going to specifically talk to two groups of people this evening. The first are those who haven't ever been filled with the Spirit. You've never really said, God, come and fill me with your Spirit. You might have been a Christian for a while. You might not even be a Christian. But you might feel like you're in an unfamiliar hotel room and you just can't find the light switch. There's anxieties that you have, the struggles that you are dealing with, and God wants to come and by his Spirit bridge that gap that I talked about and give you peace and bring you into the joy that is relationship with him. Secondly, if you're a Christian here this evening, regardless of your stage, you need this. We all need this. Eagerly desire the Spirit. So the first point, you might think, oh, I've got away with it. The second point, we're going to pray together. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to come and fill us once again. We're like cisterns. There's a preacher a few months ago talked about us being like cisterns. We are filled by the Spirit, but then we poured out. We're poured out amongst our city. We're poured out amongst our um, colleagues, amongst our families. We need filling again so that we might know his love more, that we might go deeper in him, that we might see him move in the supernatural amongst us and use us. And the Spirit's role is to be our helper. And he comes alongside us. He comes inside of us and he helps us carry the Christian life. It doesn't work if we just ignore him and think, not, not tonight. This is essential. Come thirsty. Come to him and ask for more.